the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show here on the Salem Radio Network. Uh, the great Dennis Prager is not with us today, and I am very pleased to be with you today. My name is Bob France, and coming to you live from the studios of AM 1420, The Answer, my home base in Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you so much for being with us. To AM 1420, The Answer listeners, thank you for coming back for another dose of what I have to offer today. <laughs> my show normally runs... <clears throat> Daily, 9 to 11 Eastern Time, um, here in uh, Cleveland, obviously, and uh, I uh, certainly welcome the opportunity to add new listeners uh, by way of um, whkradio.com or any of the streaming services that you might have, the iHearts, the radio.coms, the Alexas, through your personal assistant devices, uh, through our own free mobile app, which is AM 1420, The Answer. So if you ever, if you like what you hear today and you'd like to hear more of it, please join me 9 to 11 Eastern Time each and every day, Monday through Friday anyway, as I come to you live here from Cleveland. Thanks so much for being with us uh, on the Dennis Prager Show today. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of news to get to. I really can't pack it all into the three hours that we have, but I'm going to do my level best. I'm going to start in a moment with where Dennis left off yesterday at the end of his program. I'm going to talk about being nice and working hard, or working hard and being nice, whichever which, whichever of those two racist statements that you would like to put first. Um, yeah, you heard Dennis at the end of the program yesterday. It's simply a remarkable thing as we continue to try to figure out how and why so many entities and organizations continue to intentionally divide this country along racial lines, but much, much more than that, along ideological lines, um, along, along religious lines, and many other things. We're going to get into that in a moment. Also, in this hour, very, as a matter of fact, very next segment, <clears throat> it's going to be my privilege to introduce to you an Ohio reporter, a television reporter, an independent reporter, really, but working for a Mansfield, Ohio television station, who has been doing some incredible work in the state of Ohio, in exposing the state of Ohio, Governor Mike DeWine, who has been taking all of this praise as Ohio's governor for being one of the very first to shut down his state's economy back in March. Uh, governor DeWine has been looked at by many people across the country as the model for how to handle a pandemic. And it's all just so much garbage. And by the way, this is not a partisan statement because I am a conservative Republican and Mike DeWine is a Republican governor. This transcends party, it transcends ideology, and it really, you know, is about common sense and it is about honesty. And there's not a lot of it coming out of Columbus. Jack Windsor will be joining us to talk about all of the new, the important news that he has discovered, that he has uncovered, quite frankly, through simply 
homework, good old-fashioned you know, homework, legwork. He has put in the time, researched the facts about what's going on in this state and why the state of Ohio, probably like many, many other states, maybe the one in which you are listening right now, uh, why they are so hell-bent on keeping us tied down, if not with outright bans on businesses being open, then severe restrictions which harm those businesses and perhaps will lead to them closing themselves, keeping people living in a constant state of fear. It's going on here in Ohio. It's going on unjustly. One reporter draws the eye roll and the exasperated sigh from Governor DeWine during the daily press briefings. And again, he has made quite a name for himself here in Ohio for his great work, and it's time to bring him to a national audience. So Jack Windsor is going to join us to talk about COVID-19, the responses of state governments, including the one where I am right now, and that is the state of Ohio. But um, I want to start with some of the actual news of the day, and congratulations to the Little Sisters of the Poor. Congratulations to all religious institutions, religious educational services, schools, religious um, uh, businesses of any kind, even if they're not a religious business, but the owner of a particular business has a faith that he follows. And of course, we can always trace this back to maybe the OG of these religious liberty cases, Jack Phillips and Masterpiece Cake Shop in, in, um, in uh, Colorado. But that's not what this is about. This is about the Little Sisters of the Poor. And finally, the Supreme Court has come down with a ruling that we can say, wow, look at that. A conservative originalist ruling, a seven to two decision, as a matter of fact, that says essentially that nuns don't have to provide health care or excuse, not health care, don't have to provide birth control or abortifacients for uh, their employees. I mean, that's how insane this has gotten. Um, We saw a very serious blow being delivered by that very uh, same Supreme Court last week when they ruled that Title VII of the civil right, in the Civil Rights Act is expanded to uh, discrimination against genders that didn't even exist, or these mindsets, these mental hurdles that some people have to overcome with respect to their anatomical, biological, physiological, chromosomal sexes. But that those can be used to protect people from quote-unquote discrimination, meaning that Christian Catholic or other religious schools that teach, um, I don't want to keep using the word sex, they don't teach sex, but that teach um, a belief in God and a belief in what God made us, a belief in science, if you will. How about that intersection here between faith and science? But, but that schools that teach that men are men and women are women and that there is one man and one woman that makes up a marriage, et cetera, et cetera, all biblical stuff that they have, to be, they have to accept, potentially, and a, an employee who is a male who decides in the middle of teaching, maybe, oh, I think I'm a female now, and starts wearing dresses to school. They have to say that's okay. They cannot require their employees to practice and live the faith that they teach the children. So liberty, religious liberty was put into serious jeopardy by that ruling from the Supreme Court just a week ago, and that's one example. Today, some of it was restored. I had a conversation earlier this morning on my local program here in Cleveland with Dr. Everett Piper. Perhaps you know Dr. Piper, you've heard of Dr. Piper, about this very case because he was a co-litigant in the case. Dr. Piper is the best-selling author of Not a Daycare, 
the book that uh, really kind of spoke to snowflakes on college campuses and said, look, we are not your parents. We are not here to make sure you don't get your feelings hurt. This isn't a daycare. This is an institution of higher learning. Well, Dr. Piper was a party. He was a co-litigant in the case with the Little Sisters of the Poor poor, uh, that was heard before the Supreme Court. I asked him today for his reaction to what we heard. When I was president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, and right after Obamacare took effect and became the law of the land, we sued the federal government and said, no, Oklahoma Wesleyan, by definition, is a pro-life institution. Every employee that I hired had to subscribe to God-defining life, not you, not me, not the government, but God-defined life from conception to completion. Likewise, a Catholic organization, the Little Sisters of the Poor, said the same. Well, as you know, the Obamacare mandate was that we were required to include abortifacient drugs in the health care packages of our institutions. Now, in the Little Sisters of the Poor case, this is incredibly asinine. I mean, stop and think about it. It's a Catholic organization, and last I knew, Catholics are pro-life, by definition. I mean, this comes all the way from the Vatican all the way down. Catholics subscribe to a pro-life agenda. Likewise, <laughs> you, don't, you don't use contraception, and the Little Sisters are celibate. So there's all sorts of reasons to just say, what? You're requiring an order of nuns to include contraception in their health care? They don't want it. They don't use it. They won't use it. Why in the world is the federal government picking on these poor little nuns? Well, that was a great question, and it was finally answered by the Supreme Court. The federal government was indeed picking on these poor nuns, not for fun and for games, but to end to challenge and ultimately defeat religious liberty in the United States. When people have religious liberty, they do not have to abide by the rules of the state. The state wants there to be the the big government progressive state, wants there to be one faith and one deity, that being the almighty government. They don't want people listening to their consciences and their faith and the belief in, you know, their belief in the word uh, of, of God through the Bible, or whatever the case might be. This isn't specific and exclusive to Christians or Jews, obviously, but it's people of all faith. And this was a huge, huge win. So a blow for religious liberty today, kind of offsetting a little bit the attack on religious liberty the Supreme Court delivered a week ago. And that is, of course, good news. By the way, if you want to hear the rest of that interview with with, uh, Dr. Piper, and he's brilliant. I speak to him once a week on my local program in Cleveland. He's brilliant. You want to hear the rest of it, you can hear that podcast at whkradio.com, no matter where you might be, whkradio.com. The other big Supreme Court decision today, too, that we will talk about in a bit, President Trump's tax returns are fair game. They have to be turned over to a prosecutor, um, uh, according to the Supreme Court, something he has long sought to hide. So we'll talk uh, talk about the ramifications of that coming up as well. We'll get a quick time out now, though. Jack Windsor talks COVID-19, the Chinese coronavirus, with us next on The Dennis Prager Show. The Dennis Prager Show. President Trump has a huge announcement for his top supporters. We will be celebrating the 2020 Republican National Convention this summer, and he wants you to enter for your chance to join him. If you win, the team will cover the flight, hotel, and give you VIP passes for yourself and a guest. All you have to do is text COMMIT, C-O-M-M-I-T, to 88022 today for your chance to meet President Trump at the convention. Again, that's commit to 88022 to enter to win this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be his special guest. Paid for by Donald J. Trump for President Incorporated. It ain't the latest thing. 
You know, I'm going to sound like a shill when I say this, but Prager University just might be the very best thing on the Internet. I sound like a shill because I'm hosting Dennis's show. That's, that's not why I'm saying this. I say this every time I get an opportunity to on my local show. I'll say it online. PragerU just might be the best thing on the Internet. And that's why the Internet tries to cancel PragerU. That's why YouTube, Google, and everyone else tries to take them down. 21 minutes past the hour. Bob France sitting in for Dennis Prager. Again, I come to you live from AM 1420, The Answer in Cleveland, Ohio. A little bit earlier this morning on my local program, I spoke with Ohio State Representative Nino Vitale, who said that he thinks Ohioans and people across the country should stop voluntarily getting tested for the Chinese coronavirus. And why? Voluntary testing equals mandatory lockdowns. Now, let me say that again, because this is really important that, that everybody understands. Voluntary testing equals mandatory lockdown. He's right. And he went on to explain it. But no better than my friend Jack Windsor explained it to me yesterday in very much the same language. And he joins us now on the Dennis Prager program. Jack, I told everybody before you came on last segment that you have been the most important reporter, the only one who gets the eye roll and the deep, heavy sigh from the governor every time uh, you ask a question or your name is mentioned as the next question at the daily press briefings. That means you must be doing, doing your job well, Jack Windsor. Bob French, thank you uh, for that compliment. It's always an honor to talk with you. I'm humbled to share with the Dennis Prager audience today. Thank you for choosing me. Well, I wanted to bring your message, Jack, as I said to you privately, to a national audience. Uh, my goal is to get you on Fox News or somewhere else because the the and, and this isn't you know for a personal reason. It, it's it's because I care about my state. I care care about my family. I care about the economy. I care about workers, and we are being misled by the state of Ohio, by Governor Mike DeWine. Again, this isn't a partisan thing because he's a Republican. I don't live in New York or Virginia where there's a Democrat governor that I'm complaining about, and neither do you. This is a Republican governor. But his response to the coronavirus from day one has been overreactionary, and it has been retaliatory in many ways. And his action now is, is, is almost indefensible. So I want to start with what you and I talked about yesterday and what you posted about yesterday as Governor DeWine announced his color code system for all Ohio counties and when you get to a certain level on that system you are in a mandatory mask mandate scenario and you are on the cusp of going into flat-out lockdown where no one leaves their house except for emergency supplies and services that's what we're getting and jack windsor you know the truth you told us the truth in ohio now tell the nation exactly how dishonest that is well, I'm going to start with cases, hospitalizations, and deaths because those are the things driving that dashboard. And interestingly enough, cases are the thing that they're really relying on. So you would think, and by the way, these are the things that are going to affect whether our kids can play sports, whether they're in a classroom this fall, how many people can be inside a restaurant, whether I can get into a nursing home to see my mom. You would think the definition of these things would be clear and consistent and that the numbers they represent are indicative of what's going on in our communities. And unfortunately, Bob, they're not. What's right. interesting about the case number, for example, is it's extremely liberal, and counties are being docked for this. Let me give you two examples of how broad the definition is, how it's affected the case count in Ohio. First, we heard that there was an outbreak in Amish community. In an Amish community, we talked about this. One person tested positive. The attempt to trace that person and test more in the ordinance was denied. The health department decided, according to CDC guidelines, to count as positive all the members of the entire family. The same thing happened in a separate county. 
I retrieved an email from a county health commissioner that shows one person was found to be COVID positive. A local official asked the remain uh, asked the commissioner uh, why the remaining family members were counted positive and not tested. The response was, "If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's not a squirrel." So they counted the whole family positive. That's according to CDC guidelines. So they're not necessarily playing fast and loose. They're just following the standard. Now, you mentioned in Ohio we have this color-coded system. No county is below yellow. Yellow's like the thing. When you go to the CDC site, the United States is green. The United States is green because for 10 straight weeks, the CDC sat found that there is a decline in deaths. In fact, we are almost at the point where we're going to drop below that epidemic threshold. Now, the interesting part about all seven of those counties, are you ready for this? Yes, sir. ICU bed usage in all seven of those counties is less than 10%. When I ran the numbers yesterday, you and I talked about this. All seven of those counties had 27 hospitalizations and five deaths. Now, we can talk about, if this is a good time, why that hospitalization tag is really wonky, and then we'll talk about why the death number may even be misleading. But keep in mind, these are seven counties that are coded red. So we start at yellow, it, it escalates to orange, then to red. And in Ohio, if you get to purple, that means that you can only go out to get supplies and medicine. So seven counties are on the threshold of being counted in that purple category and essentially being locked down. Here's the other scary part. Information is shared so uh, inconsistently that there was a headline in a local paper today that said the death count in Franklin County, which is uh, which is where uh, Columbus is located, the, you know, the, the capital uh, mm-hmm. county, if you will, the, the death count had gone up 23%. Well, we went into the CSV file, which is the raw data file, and what we found is that uh, for two reporting periods ago, there were 50 deaths, and for the last reporting period, there were 44 so not only was there not an increase of 23%, there was a decrease in deaths, but it's not how the numbers are being packaged and reported daily through the governor's social media feed and at the 2 p.m. press conference. See, that's the dishonesty that I was talking about, and that's what I need people to understand. Because if it's happening in our in our state and with our governor, Governor Mike DeWine, it is very likely happening the way they package the numbers, as you say, in other states as well. And that's why I wanted to bring you on. We only have a minute left in this segment, um, Jack, but, but you mentioned the contact trace positive. In other words, if somebody tests positive, they're going to mark the entire family positive because they live in the same household. You said that CDC protocol. Okay, the other way that they, that they maneuver, maneuver these numbers, which you have talked about, is by counting a patient who tests positive multiple times as multiple cases. And they want people to believe that a case equals a new patient, correct? They do. And so I put out a, I put out a post uh, two days ago, and it went viral. I got a call from the press secretary yesterday. He was not happy. I'm happy because what we found is that certain health departments thought we're getting multiple positive tests, and that equals positive cases. The press secretary said, no, multiple tests are deduplicated and it only counts as one case. Somebody in the governor's administration said, no, multiple tests are equal, equaling multiple cases. My whole point was the job of the media 
is to shine the light on inconsistencies and give people accurate information, particularly in a time of crisis. And nobody else is doing that. Jack, nobody else is doing that in the media. That's why I brought you on to talk to the nation on the Dennis Prager program, because I didn't bring anybody else on, because nobody else is doing this. There's a lot more to uncover here. Jack will stay with us for one more segment. This is Bob France sitting in for Dennis Prager. 27 minutes before the top of the hour. Thanks so much for joining us. Bob France sitting in for Dennis Prager. And we will open up the phone lines shortly at 8Prager776. That's 877-243-7776. But I've got one more segment with an intrepid television news reporter from Mansfield, Ohio, my home state. And he's um, daily on the the rear end of the governor of the state of Ohio in Columbus, our capital, over the COVID-19 reporting numbers, cases, hospitalizations, ICU admissions, and deaths. He's on his tail because, uh, quite frankly, nobody else is. And Jack Windsor is his name. Jack, we've got one more segment, and I want to talk a little bit more. You mentioned hospitalizations being reported by the DeWine administration and the Ohio Department of Health as being on the rise. Um, But I don't know that that's necessarily accurate when you look at what they are deciding is a COVID hospitalization. Can you take us through that, please? Absolutely. Hospitalizations, they're super important. If increases in uh, positive cases are severe and the patients have a high viral load, that's going to show up in a proportionate increase in hospitalizations. In Ohio, that's simply not happening. There have been minor, and I mean real minor upticks, and in some parts of the country as well, I would assume. But overall, hospitalizations are trending down. Now, the troubling part with hospitalizations is what you alluded to, and what likely drove the little uptick is this. We've received reports from families who have loved ones that entered a hospital for things such as delivering a baby or wound care, but while there, the patient performs a mandated test with no symptoms and unbeknownst to the patient, the test returns positive. And now that becomes a COVID hospitalization. Now, the hospital will get $11,000 in that instance, so it behooves them. Plus, we don't know how many people go to the ER or hospital because they can't afford insurance. So at best, that number is is ambiguous. And, you know, the other challenge with hospitalizations is this. For months, people deferred care, whether out of fear or government orders. Consequently, things lifted. We've seen hospitals begin to fill up again, which is what they're supposed to do. We've seen several false headlines where outlets claim that hospitalizations are up due to the virus, but in fact, hospitals are getting back to normal capacity, and coronavirus is a small part of the overall occupancy. We need to lean into that. Are ICU beds COVID beds? Are hospitalizations really COVID hospitalizations? Or is it a secondary mandatory test because somebody's there delivering a baby? So having said all of that, despite all of that somewhat ambiguous information and reporting hospitalizations in Ohio, they're still down. And that's not what they're focusing on. What we hear every day from the governor is that the cases are spiking. Cases, 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 positive tests after positive tests. But they're not talking about if it's putting people in the hospital for real and the fact that the the number of hospitalizations in this state are down. And then now take us, Jack, to the death rate. Because that's been the most important thing. This is a deadly disease. If you don't wear a mask, you could be killing someone, we are told. That's not what the death numbers tell me. No. Ohio and many other states do not break from CDC protocol when dealing with deaths. Right now, there's no distinction between dying from COVID and dying with COVID. I have two powerful situations in my mind. The first is a younger person who was in an auto accident and died from sustained injuries. The family was shocked to learn when they received the death certificate that it was coded as COVID. Now, there's another example of a person who was already in hospice care, terminally ill. Again, 
the family gets the death certificate, they're outraged because the death is being ruled coronavirus. I had a chance to interview Erin Marie Olszewski last week, and her account of what went on in New York with respect to cases, counts, hospitalizations, and deaths, it's shocking. Google Epicenter Nurse, watch her documentary. It's eye-opening. I can't say that's what's going on in Ohio, but there are such liberal definitions and interpretations. The numbers that we are getting are not always true. And by the way, in Ohio, what you'll hear is reported in the last 24 hours. That information can go all the way back to November of 2019, which is when we have our first case now documented. Number of hospitalizations in the last 24 hours in Ohio was actually 26. It'll be interesting to see what the governor says that number is today. That is remarkable. I mean, I just, just thinking about what you said before, and I want to circle back now because we've got less than a minute, Jack, but to the seven counties that are on the cusp of being shut down to the point where you can only leave for uh, survival necessities uh, and services. Um, 27, you gave me that number again, 27 hospitalizations in seven counties. That covers I don't know how many hospitals and only two deaths, and yet they are on the verge of doing this. Last question for you is, do you think that what we're seeing in Ohio, and this is all speculative, I understand, because you're not covering other states, but do you think what's happening in Ohio is unique, or is it likely being done this way around the country? I think it's being done this way around the country. I had a chance to dive into some numbers in Texas and Florida and in Arizona, and some of the upticks were really on the southern border where there was some, you know, where they're trading a humanitarian effort for, you know, cases going down and the disease being flat. But overall, no, this is going on in America, and people are not reporting the numbers accurately. Nobody's reporting it, Jack. That's why I'm bringing you to the nation here, and I hope I can get the rest of the nation's attention, because it's going on in Ohio, and it's probably going on there. Jack Windsor, WMFD-TV in Mansfield, Ohio. Thank you, Jack. We'll be right back. Sixteen minutes before the top of the hour, hour number one of the Dennis Prager Show. My name is Bob France. So, um, privileged to be sitting here. One might say I have privilege, and I can actually accept that distinction for a change. I am privileged to be sitting in the studio uh, for Dennis today. Phone lines are now open at 8-Prager-776. That's 877-243-7776. Jack Windsor, my uh, guest just moments ago, sent me a text thanking me for choosing him to come on to the program. And my response to him is something I want to share with you, and that is there is no choice, and that's no disrespect, but there is no choice because nobody else is practicing real journalism except for him, at least in this state. And I read, you know, by way of, you know, online, the biggest newspapers from the biggest cities all across the state of Ohio, and I watch the daily press briefings as much as I can, and no other reporters are asking these kinds of questions. Now, before you get turned off and say, why is he focusing only on Ohio? Well, I'm in Ohio. And yes, I know I'm talking to the nation. But as I said to Jack, the reason it was important to get this out here is you don't think this is, there's only one governor and one uh, state health department that is misleading the people with all of these you know, fear-mongering statistics of spikes and surges in the number of cases, do you? You don't think that other, uh, other governors are telling the truth about what a case is versus what a patient is, about the number of positive tests compared to the number of new tests being performed. You don't think this is the only one, do you? You think it's the only one that's lying about the number of hospitalizations claiming they're on the rise and we might have to take steps to flatten that curve again when the statistics are available to anybody willing to dig the way Jack does? find out hospitalizations are not on the rise. Not only are they not, as you heard him say, in Franklin County, Ohio, 
not only are there not 23% increase, there was actually a decrease. So if they're willing to lie to you in one state, they're willing to lie to you in all states. Here's an example of what I was talking about. I, I played for you a clip in the first hour or first half hour of State Representative Nino Vitale here in the state of Ohio, who pointed out the amount of testing. He's telling people, don't get tested. He's telling people flat out, don't get tested if you are healthy. Don't just say, hey, they opened up a pop-up COVID test center near me. I'm going to go make sure I don't have it. Stop it. Because if you're not sick, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, is his point. And he said, here's what's happening. On July 2nd, so we're at seven days ago, Ohio reported a whopping 1,265 new cases, they said. But what they didn't tell you was that on July 2nd, 2020, Ohio also performed a record 20,613 tests. The highest of total to date. So you wonder, why, well, you got more, you got more positives because you got more tests, but that doesn't mean there were more sick people. There aren't 1,265 sick people in hospitals because of that. They're asymptomatic. And according, again, we get to the misleading and uh, ambiguous information from the WHO and from the CDC about whether or not asymptomatic spread is rare or common. So they're, they're just manipulating data constantly. And here's something else real quick. When Jack gets in front of the governor in about an hour and 15 minutes, uh, the next press briefing will happen from my home state. It's probably happening all over. But when he gets the governor, he's going to ask them not only about Ohio, but about the CDC. According to the CDC, which combined their influenza and pneumonia reporting, which are not COVID, but are similar because they're respiratory, combined their influenza and pneumonia reporting with COVID into a new class called PIC, P-I-C, pneumonia, influenza, and COVID. It shows an entire U.S. map in the green. But in the Ohio Uh, color coding system put together by Mike DeWine. There isn't even a green there. And the CDC has reported their 10th straight week of declining deaths. This in the face of and within the lag time of increased testing the way that Nino Vitale is talking about. More testing, more positive cases, and continuing declining deaths. As a matter of fact, the COVID deaths may go so low compared to all deaths in the country, that the COVID-19 is going to lose its epidemic status. It will not be classified as an epidemic any longer. Is the CDC telling you that? No, you got to look for it. you got to dig for it. It is impossible to believe that they are looking out for our best interest with all of this manipulated, if not out, uh, outright fabricated data um, that they're presenting us. They're not trying to look at your health. They're trying to keep you afraid. Here's the best example of that that I can offer you. Who is America's doctor, right? Dr. Anthony Fauci, the leading epidemiologist in America. He has worked under five presidents and all of this and all of that. He's the authority. He's the be-all, end-all. I would like you to listen to the authority, the be-all, end-all. Dr. Anthony Fauci talking about what should be the most important aspect of all of this regarding the Chinese coronavirus. Is it killing people? This is his response. Uh, I want to emphasize just because it's such important what the senator just said, that it's a false narrative to take comfort in, in a lower rate of death. There's- wait, 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 what? What? 
What did you just say, Dr. Fauci? So many other things that are very dangerous and bad about this virus. Don't get yourself into false complacency. He said it twice. It's a false comfort to look at the lower rate of death. I'm sorry. I would tend to think that almost the whole of America would be jumping up and down for joy at the news that this highly infectious virus is very, very, very uh, non-lethal, that it has a very, very low mortality rate. And those that do succumb to the virus are people in very highly dangerous situations, such as congregant life settings, elderly with underlying comorbidities or underlying health conditions that to the vast majority of America. And that means young and middle-aged, healthy America, and yes, seniors who don't have those comorbidities, that it's very, very, very non-lethal. And he says, don't take false comfort to in that. take comfort in, in a lower rate of... Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, honestly. Five minutes before the top of the hour. Thanks for being with us on the Dennis Prager Show. My name is Bob France. I am live in Cleveland, Ohio, in the ReliefFactor.com studios of AM 1420, The Answer. Let's stay in the state of Ohio for Mark, who is calling us from Marysville. Uh, Mark, it's the Dennis Prager Show. Bob France sitting in. Good afternoon. Go right ahead. Good to hear from you. There's three state TV stations in Columbus, Ohio, the state capital, that will list on a, in a crawl on the bottom of the screen Five of the six surrounding counties of Franklin County, it'll list anywhere from 9 to 43 deaths or 200 to 2,200 cases, but they never list Union County where I'm from, and it's a surrounding county. We only have 89 cases and one death. We have the Honda plants, which employ 10 to 12,000 people. There's two or three plants. We have got a lot of uh, herd immunity that's been built up. They leave us off. They don't talk about us. They don't post it. I found it out on that uh, 800 number that the state has set up. So that's another thing. I know this Jack Windsor is overloaded, but he, he could look into that because it doesn't make any sense. They are hiding some of the real facts. They're not even twisting these facts. They're just hiding them. You know, and they're not What's the newspaper about... of record in that county, Mark? What's that? What's the newspaper of record there? Is there a big newspaper in, uh, in Union County? Uh, not really. We've got the Marysville Journal Tribune, but it is got a very bad reputation i'm just uh, wondering if because you, you brought up the tv stations in the columbus area and i'm wondering if the newspapers are even doing that because you mentioned jack windsor's got his hands full and you're right he does he's re- he's researching yeah. so many different things where are the other reporters where is a reporter living in your county saying you know we're doing remarkably well here maybe i'll go to the press conference and ask the governor why are you neglecting the counties that are not in trouble or the they ones have- that are not part of the narrative of you trying to scare the bejesus out of people They've never said anything like that in any of their issues, and a lot of us, honestly, I wish somebody would start a meme in this state. It'll just say, who is blackmailing Governor DeWine? Because there's a lot of people think he's being blackmailed, or maybe he's just a deep plant. He's been laying low for 30 or 40 years. The, the Democrats knew they could control him because the Democrats love him. 
They love him in this yeah. state, and he's a Republican. I'm not going to speculate on any of that stuff. My, Mark, thank you for the phone call. I'm not going to speculate on any of that deep state plant, this or that or the other thing. I don't know what to make of him. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I voted for him because the uh, the, uh, the uh, alternative was Richard Cordray, which was never going to happen. Uh, but my support in the primary, the Republican primary, and I'm not saying she would have been the greatest thing in the history of the world, but I voted for or supported in the primary Mary Taylor, um, who, of course, was Kasich's lieutenant governor. So, I mean, you know, what is it? What, what is it with the Republicans at some of the highest levels of the state of Ohio? I don't know. I'm not going to call him a plant. I'm not going to call him a deep state. And I'm not going to say somebody's blackmailing him. But I am very, very disappointed with what I've seen from Mike DeWine. Hour number one in the books on the Dennis Prager Show. We'll take your phone calls for the rest of the way on the Salem Radio Network. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor pain-free studio. 